Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world.
Burn the ships. Burn the ships, they said. Burn the ships. It was 1519. It was Hernando Cortez. He was a Spanish conquistador. He had come from Spain. He'd gone to Mexico. He had convinced the king of his nation to give him 11 ships, 600 men, and all the provisions to do a four-month trip across the ocean to land up the Yucatan River in Mexico. They put their feet on the shores of Mexico and Hernando Cortez utters the famous words, burn the ships. And his boys can't believe it. They said, say what? He said, burn the ships. And so they set about igniting explosives in the very thing that had got them to the shores safely to Mexico, and they burnt the ships. These famous words have gone down in history because Cortez was a man who burned for more. He knew there was more inside him. He was a man that was history books write up as a person of lesser nobility, but he felt like there was greatness inside of him yet to be realized. Clearly, he was a great motivator to get 600 men to get in ships and come across to Mexico. Why had they come to Mexico? Because one of the greatest gold treasures in the history of the world owned by the Aztecs. They'd held this treasure for 600 years. They had defeated every foe that had come at them to take that treasure. But Hernando Cortez decided he was going to get that treasure. And he was going to take that treasure and it was going to become a base for him to grow his whole notoriety. And he was going to become far more than lesser nobility. It was a huge task. For Cortez, it was a matter of succeed or die. He was not going to look back. And so he said to his men, burn the ships. If we're going to go home, we're going home in their ships, not in ours. It's an incredibly bold statement. It's an incredibly bold move. It basically says we're all in. There's nowhere to go but forward. Back does not exist. Retreat is not an option. It's only moving forward. We will succeed or we will die. There's no plan B. And something happens to the human heart when there is no plan B. Something happens to your capacity to commit. Something happens to the strength and the potency of your vision as it comes into focus. Something happens to your creative problem-solving ability when you remove the option of retreat. Three years later, Cortez and his men seized the treasure from the Aztecs, ending a 600-year empire. Cortez was elevated into a place of prestige and power. This morning, I have a message, I believe, for somebody here. And it kind of been burning in me for a while, actually. That film clip that you just watched, I've been playing that thing. I reckon I've played that film clip a hundred times. In my car, of course, I'm not looking at the film clip in the car, but I'm hearing the track. There's something that's got a hold of me about burn the ships. I think it's a prophetic season that we're coming into as a church. But I also believe that it's a time for people, individuals, walking with God, 
It's time to burn the ships. And here's my message this morning. The things that lie ahead are far greater than the events of your past. The things that lie ahead. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your past is, but I know this. Whether you are a teenager here today or whether you're 90 years of age, you've still got a future. There is a future ahead of you that is greater than the events of your past. That is a fact of God for your life today. But you won't enter these greater things by listening to the voice of your past or living in the memories of your past. And can I tell you this morning, could I urge you this morning, could I encourage you this morning, it's time to burn the ships. It's time to burn the ships. Go with me to Philippians 3 and verse 13. If you have your Bible, please turn, otherwise it'll be on the screen behind me. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Did you get the two movements that Paul was speaking about? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. All of us have those things which are behind and those things which are ahead. All of us sit in that place right now. You've got a past and you've got a future. I have a past and I have a future. I can't change my past. You can't change your past. But I can determine whether I am controlled by what is behind. Or am I instead living in the awe and the faith of what lies ahead? Am I filled each day with a sense of purpose, of destiny, of what God is saying to me? Or is my eyes somehow rather reflecting on or hearing the echo of past? I don't know where you are today, but my question to you today is, do you believe that God has more for you? More than where you are today, do you believe that God does? The voice of the things behind us need to be silenced. And our vision for greater things which lie ahead need to come alive. Because in God, what lies ahead is always greater. What lies ahead is always greater. Can I say this for what it's worth? And I don't mean to be, uh, remor- uh, I don't mean to be um, uh, um, too harsh when I say this. But even if I die and go to heaven right now, what lies ahead is greater. What lies ahead is greater. So in God, what lies ahead is always greater. Your future, will, in a thousand years from now, it will be greater. In, a thou, in 2,000 years from now, in 10,000 years from now, in 20,000 years from now, you'll be a whole different person than you are now. But can I tell you something? You'll still be here. Maybe not here, but you'll be here. You'll be around. You'll exist. You'll be conscious. You'll be alive. You say, how's that true? It's eternity. You're born for it. You're born for eternity. What lies ahead is greater than what is behind. Of that, it's a fact. Paul said the same thing in 1 Corinthians 2. He says this, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. Note the word prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us 
by his spirit. That's a whole nother preach. The but God has revealed preach. But he has. God has revealed and is revealing. It is present continuous tense. And you know what? For the rest of eternity, it will be present continuous tense. God has revealed and is revealing. God has revealed and is revealing because he is infinite. It will take us all of eternity to begin to scratch the itch of how big God is. So there's always more. There's always more. And no one knew this message more than Paul. I mean, Paul was a great man before he came to know Jesus. In terms of the the status of his walk, in terms of the the socioeconomic place that he sat in, in terms of his esteem in the public eye, he was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel, who was a great scholar of the time, still studied to this day. And if you studied at the feet of Gamaliel, if you were part of that great and rich school of apologetics, you came and learnt and studied at Gamaliel's feet, you were someone. And Paul was someone. He was someone that people turned to. He was a person of decision. He was decisive. He was committed. He was sold out to the cause that he had. So sold out that he, he made sure that he was part of the persecution rallies as they tried to snuff out these new believers that came onto the scene. Paul was somebody. But on the road to Damascus, Paul caught a glimpse of Jesus and what lay ahead. And can I tell you, Paul burnt the ship. He burnt it. He took all that was behind. He took all that he was, all of, his, all of the good that was there, as well as the bad. And he set fire to it. And the message of his life was forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things ahead. I lay hold of Christ. That was his message. It was his life. I love what he says in Philippians 3 and verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul knew Jesus Christ and it changed his life. It changed it forever and ever. This morning, I want to encourage you the story that lies ahead is far greater than the story that has brought you here. Perhaps there's pain or discomfort or challenges for you right now. Perhaps you're feeling a dissatisfaction with who you are. Or where you're at right now. But can I tell you, this is a good time to break out of that season. You know, seasons come and go. You can even be in a good season and know it's time for it to end. There's nothing wrong with a good season, except if it stays too long. It's time to move on. Something inside you this morning, I believe, says, God, you're leading me from glory to glory. You may not know what that is, but you know your past cannot get you there, good or bad. I want to empathize with difficulty this morning, though. I'm not here to say that pain in the present is not significant. I'm not here to say that those who are struggling today with different things, that you don't feel something that's significant and real and discomforting and painful. Please. I understand that would be true. All of us at times are in those seasons. But what I want to urge you to do is this, is to lift your eyes. 
Lift your eyes from that challenge. Lift your eyes. Let your heart be open to the idea that what is today will pass away. And there is a greater future. There is a greater future ahead. God is calling you into that opportunity. There is a new anointing for you. There is a new strategy. There is a new blessing. There is a new increase. There is a new place with him. You are not stuck. You are not stuck where you are. This is not a place to be stuck. This is a place where God wants to get hold of you by faith and say, you know what, tomorrow, tomorrow, go with me tomorrow, believe with me about tomorrow. Let me lift your eyes out of where you are. Let me show you tomorrow. That's what God wants to do. I almost feel like he's begging you to look where he's looking. Not to hear what you're hearing, but look where he's looking. There's something exciting there. Cortez burnt 11 ships to lay hold of his treasure. This morning, I want to talk about two ships. Not quite as drastic. That two that we might burn this morning. The first ship we're going to burn, or that I encourage you to burn, is the voice of our past. Cortez was a man of lesser nobility. It meant that he had a place in society, but not a particularly significant place. He was a man of ambition. He desired greater influence in the royal court of Spain. He'd managed to somehow convince the king of Spain to give him a whole bunch of resources to go after a gold haul that no one in 600 years had ever been successful in. This man could sell. He could sell a dream. And 600 men and 600 families put their trust in that dream and got in these 11 ships and sailed four months across to Mexico. He's a good salesman. But as he stood on the shores of Mexico, Spain was a long way away. And he had a decision to make. His Spanish nobility would not matter anymore now he was in Mexico. His Spanish provisions would eventually run out. He was facing a challenge that no one had accomplished before to defeat the Aztecs. His Spanish heritage, as good as it was, as much as it fueled his journey to this point, that it got him to the shores of Mexico, was no longer helpful. It had been useful for a season, and that season had come to an end. So he burnt the ships. He knew that his past needed to die. The voice of the past could only remind him of what he was not who he was going to be. The voice of the past could only remind him of the comforts and familiarity that he'd left behind, and that was only going to usurp his faith. The voice of the past was only going to be a voice of reason that said, what you're doing is too risky. It was never going to work from the start. What on earth were you thinking? There was going to be a low point somewhere in his future where the possibility of retreat would loom strong. So he said, no, we're going to burn the ships. I love how Paul understood this same idea. 2 Corinthians 5, he writes this. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. In other words, because we judge this way. That if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we no longer know him, we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We focus a lot on that last sentence. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is often something that people say. You know, old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's true. It's such a great truth. But I want to focus a little bit on what came before that. Paul knew that the past had a voice. He knew the past had a voice. And that voice wants to do three things to you. Firstly, it wants to remind you. Secondly, it wants to bind you. And thirdly, it wants to confine you. That's what the voice of the past wants to do. Its only use is that. It wants to remind you. In other words, it wants you to keep looking back. It wants you to remember what was. Because have you found that when you look back, it always seems better? Oh, the good old days. Oh, remember the good old days, yeah? Well, they weren't the good old days when you were living in them. When you were living in them, you were talking about the good old days then too. And they were further back. The good old days, when things were simpler. Really? The voice of the past wants to remind us, but somehow rather in reminding us, it's a colored vision of the past. The voice of the past wants to bind you. It wants to keep you fighting. It wants to keep you engaged. It wants to keep you distracted. The voice of the past wants to talk in such a way that you see it as the enemy. You start fighting that. You start focusing on that. It starts to become an issue to you. It keeps you occupied. It talks to you. It tells you who, that the dreams that you've got and the sense of faith in your heart is just a lie. And you know, What are you doing? And Come back to where this is safe and easier and comfortable. What on earth's got into you lately? What's this all about? Calm down. As my kids say, calm the farm. And so you find yourself entertaining a conversation with the voice that all it wants to do is keep you occupied. It's not helping you move forward. It's not teaching you anything. You're not gaining anything from it except sense of doubt that it may not work out. And thirdly, the voice of the past wants to confine you. It wants to keep you intimidated and small. It wants to remind you of all the past failures that you've had, of the things where you haven't measured up, where people haven't really liked what you've done, where you've been criticized, where the other standards that you tried to set for yourself, you failed. And so you keep looking back and it intimidates you to think that you could possibly move forward and be somebody else, live a different life, walk the walk of faith in a different way. How could I possibly do that? You don't understand where I've come from. No, I don't. And we all stand somewhere in the place where the past is behind us and our future is in front of us. Somehow we've got to develop the faith muscle that allows us to turn our head from that past and look into the future and burn the ships. And burn the ships. The second thing that Paul discovered was His past died in Christ. His past died in Christ. So when he was writing that word that we should no longer regard a person according to the flesh, what he was saying is there are many things that your flesh has experienced. There's many things that you have walked in and walked through. And if you consider the things of the flesh, you will always look back. But the voice of the Spirit will always cause you to look forward. 
because he'll always be speaking about what can be. He'll always be saying, come on, come on, you can. I know you can. I know you can. I'm with you. And if I'm with you, who can be against you? Come on, trust me again. One more time, trust me again. Come on, get up from where you are. Come on, get up. Come on. The voice of the Spirit's like that wonderful coach that sits alongside you and says, come on, one more time. Yes, I know it hurts, but come on, you'll forget that soon enough. Come on, this is where we're going. Come one more step. One more step. That's all I need, one more step. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The second ship that we need to burn, the second ship... Cortez had 11, but we're talking two. Our second ship is the option of retreat. You know, I think about Cortez arriving on the shores of Mexico. He'd achieved so much. I mean, he really had. He'd basically got a whole nation behind him as he stood there. It's an incredible achievement. You could actually stand back and say, wow, no one had ever convinced any other nation to that point to do what he'd done as he stood on the shores of Mexico. But the irony was this. As he stood there, he was no longer a lesser noble in Spain. He no longer had standing in the court. Because as he stood there, the people of Mexico didn't recognize that title. He was just Cortez. But as he stood there, he also wasn't a treasure owner. He actually didn't have the treasure in his hand. So Cortez, as he stood there, had achieved so much, but he was actually nowhere. He was nowhere. He hadn't got the treasure, and he wasn't in Spain. He was nowhere. He'd followed the voice of vision in his heart. He'd done all that he needed to do. And as he stood there, he'd achieved so much, and yet actually he had nothing. Ever been there? Ever been there? You feel like you've fought the battle of your life, and when you look around, you think, where am I? Well, actually, I'm, I'm actually nowhere. <laughs> if you felt that way, can I identify with you and say, I, I think that's the course of faith. There is a point where you stop and after you've fought the great battle of your life and you've stood there on the shores ready to take in the land. You're on the promised land. You're standing there on what God has asked you to do. Your feet are there. But when you look around, you think, but we're nowhere. We don't have the testimony yet. We actually haven't grabbed the treasure. It's still a promise, and yet we've come so far. The second ship to burn is the option of retreat. Retreat is a return to the place of comfort and safety. See, retreat is a temptation. Retreat is what I believe is one of the great... It masquerades as doubt. Retreat is a glamorous way to just doubt. Well, I'll just go back to here. I know where I am here. I know who I am here. I don't have, if, I, if I put my neck out there, I'm putting my neck out there. And if I just go back here, I'll, I'll be okay. I, I know who I am here. I may not be on the shores where the treasure is, but I'm okay with being less noble. That'll do. I'll, I'll be okay with that. And so we, we settle for that'll do, and as we settle for that, it'll do what we've really done is we've glamorized our doubt. We've just said, well, I'm just not sure God could take me there. It's a move from the challenge of the conquest back to the familiar place. 
the familiar place that feels like home. It, it's not, it may not be a good place, it's a place we know. It may have been a painful place, but it's familiar pain. It may have been a broken place, but even our brokenness can feel like a familiar friend sometimes. We know who we are. You may not like the place of retreat, but at least you know who you are, where we are, and when we are. The option of retreat is commonly called the fallback position. It's our common sense safety net. It's plan B. I need plan B. Case doesn't work out. But here's the thing the option of retreat weakens our faith to stand in the present. And Cortez knew that. As he set fire to the ships, retreat disappeared. <laughs> there is no retreat. We're either going to die or we're going to succeed. And something happens to the creative, problem solving, and something happens to our faith. We lean into God because we need Him. There is no way back. I ain't going back. Pioneering new ground is uncomfortable. It puts us in the place of transition. It's the place of yes, but not yet. It's the place where we feel the promise, but we don't have the promise. It's that place of transition where we're on certain ground. It's the in-between moment. It's a temptation to say, I think I just dreamt that up too much. I think I'll just slip back. God wants to take the things that used to define you and set them on fire. Some of those things are good things. A career, a profession, a position, a reputation, ministry roles. It all sounds good. But if, if it's not where God wants you to be, burn the ships. He wants to take your failures, your mistakes, your shortcomings, your shame and your sin, and he wants to burn it. He wants you to stop listening to the voice of it. He wants you to stop being defined by it. It's yesterday's voice and it needs to be burnt. Sometimes it's friendships and associations. You know, it's not that we don't want to think differently, but the people that we connect to. And this is a hard part of this message because sometimes the people we connect to are the very ones that keep strengthening around us the voice that we need to stay where we are. I don't know whether it's about their comfort or your comfort, but the voice says, you know, just, you know, don't get too excited. I mean, this Jesus thing is all well and good, but, you know, do you have to go and serve him in the ministry? I mean, that's a bit far, isn't it? Can't you just be a good boy and... Just stop drinking a bit or something, you know? But I don't know about this whole fasting and praying thing. That all sounds a bit serious to me, you know? Like, goodness me, you'll be hungry. Let's just calm down a bit. Our friendships and associations, I'm not saying that people don't matter. What I'm saying is if there's some strong voices in our life, and we hear those voices speaking against what we know is what God's asking us to do. We have a choice to make. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I like it. Am I saying I've had to do it? Yes. Has it been fun? No. Are you kind and loving to people? Always. But that voice cannot hold me back from what God's asked me to do. Yeah? Neither can it for you. I don't know what memories are that continue to torment you or speak to you. But those memories need to be burnt. Paul knew what the memories were like. 
Paul stood by the sideline of the Christian faith at first as he held on to the cloaks of those that were being stoned. And he watched on, he cheered them on. He said, go, this is important. His zealousness says, this is what you need to do. He, remember, he would remember that. It's why he said, forgetting those things which are past, I press forward. Because what is ahead of me is greater than what's behind me. This last scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Somewhere in Paul's understanding of God, he knew this, that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. See, this is where the rubber of the road hits for this scripture. Because what is our sight? Our sight are the things that we know, the things that are familiar, the things that speak to us and give us the, the, the intel on what we'll do to take our next step. And if the only way you make those decisions is by the things you can see that are tangible, the things that you know that are familiar to you, then faith is not getting a voice. Faith won't always confirm itself with what you know to be familiar. Not always. Sometimes it's a walk out there. It's a step out there. It takes a step. And it'll feel like a step... Like the hardest step you'll ever take. But can I encourage you, take the step. Trust God. He's trustworthy. He will not let you down. If he says something will happen, it'll happen. It probably won't happen like you think it'll happen, but it'll happen. Trust him. Trust God. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, by faith, by faith. My prayer this morning is that God would... Teach us how to be a people that walk by faith. That we be compelled by vision. We'd be compelled by what we know the conviction of our heart is. And we'd step out with God. And we'd see, here's the thing. When God comes through for you, all it does is it begins to fuel you again that he can do it again. He may not do it the same way. That's, that's the challenge with God. He may not do it the same way, but you get the confidence he will do it. And so you will grow in confidence that he'll do it. He won't always do it like you think he'll do it. But he will do it. And answered prayer is the best way for God to be able to confirm his reality to you. Pray and ask him. And when he gives you something, then you've got something from God. You've now got a connection with him. He's done something for you that no one else could ever have done. And you carry it in your heart. That's the beginnings of faith. Grab it. Put it to work again. What else could we do together, Father? What other obstacles are in front of me that God could fall down if only I would trust you enough? i just trust you enough to go one more time. We'll do it one more time. One more time. I don't know who this is for this morning, but can I encourage you, it's time to burn your ships. There's some ships to be burnt. Whatever they are, can I encourage you to set fire to those ships? That which got you to where you are may well be good. That which got you to where you are may not be good. But whatever it is, it's only got you this far, but it won't take you this way. It's time for it to finish. Burn it and let God move you on. Can we pray? Father, this morning, I pray for the people in this room, God, as we hear you speak to us. God, that you would come to us afresh in the quietness and stillness of our heart right now. And God, that you'd put inside us 
such faith and hope for the future. God, that where some of us have struggled, where some of us have fought the battles of our life, where we have found difficulty, and maybe we've thought, decided it's time to quit, I pray that you'd put faith. You'd replace that with faith. You'd let hope spring again inside us, God. God, that you would re-inspire us. Lord, that the mission, the vision, the purpose for which you call us to is not dead. But God, that you are in it. God, that there is a new season. There is a new way. There is a new opportunity. There is a new opening. There is a new power. There is a new anointing. There is something that will break. But whatever it is, God, you're in it. God, and it can happen again. God, would you give us the courage to burn the ships we need to burn. Lord, as a sign of our faith that you are with us, God, we remove the voice of the past and we burn the ships of retreat so that we can take hold of that which you put in our future. Father, I pray you'd bless each one here this morning in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.